love that song. Thank you, Aaron and Roy. I'm going to introduce you to our guest speaker. Um, I, like I said, it's such a privilege to have uh, a guest speaker, but especially our guest speaker today. Um, it's, it's the first time sharing with us. And um, Sashka, I, um, when I met Sashka a few years ago, um, I just thought to myself, I heard her speak because she was working for the evangelism team in the Victorian Conference, and she was sharing stories about the kind of evangelism that um, she was doing, and I just thought to myself, my goodness, what a dynamite. I need to have her come speak at our church. But she's a very busy woman because she is um, many things. So she's a bit like me. We're a rare breed. Um, her husband is a pastor, but she's also a pastor. And so um, she's a pastor's wife. Her husband is a pastor at the Seddon Church, but she's also the associate pastor of the Preston Church. And she also still works as part of the evangelism team for the Victorian Conference. And she's a mom of two wonderful kids. Um, so, yeah, she's a very busy person. So we're very, very honored that you've made time and effort to be here today. And I've specifically asked her to share her testimony um, because I've heard a bit of it before. And it's a pretty amazing story. And so without overselling it, <laughs> I wanted to um, just introduce you to this wonderful person. I'm just going to have a quick word of prayer for you. Um, so come on up and um, we'll pray for you before you speak. Okay. Heavenly Father, I just want to pray that your Holy Spirit would be with Sashka now. It's always hard to share your own story because it's so personal. And I just ask that... Um, you would help her to be able to share it knowing that um, it's, a, it's your story. It's a story of how you have worked in her life. Um, and I just pray, Lord, that all of us listening and watching and listening to the podcast later uh, will be blessed by the message she has for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, so... It's a little different, so I can't stand here. So uh, that's why I took this, so I can go everywhere. Uh, I'm sorry for my accent. I'm still learning English, so have mercy, okay? Mercy and grace, that's what church always have to have. So it's not working. Okay, great. Never mind. That's okay. Okay, not working. But maybe uh, you hear me even without the mic, no? What do you think? Yeah. I'm Liel, it's okay. Um, well, after an introduction like that, I'm a bit nervous now. <laughs> no pressure at all, you know? Okay, before I start, I would like to read Psalm 145. I believe every psalm is a story. It's not just a song. It's a story what someone been through and then is giving glory to God or is telling someone what is been through, okay? So I believe you have your own stories or on your song. Story. You know, I believe you have on your story. Uh, today I will tell you my story. Um, book so maybe one day you will be able to read this book i just started thank you gina i just started the first chapter is done <laughs> um anyway psalm 145 i will extol you my god or king no it's okay it's working uh. Because of something. Every day, I will, every day I will bless you and I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised and his greatness is unspeakable. It's 
if you can't even describe his greatness. That's what David said, because he'd been through a lot with God. So he said, I can't even describe that goodness of God. One generation shall praise your works to another. So I'm just one generation telling story to someone else, to other generations here. Uh, and other, they will declare your mighty acts. I will meditate on the glorious splendor of your majesty and your wondrous work. And that's what I will do today. Uh, it's all about him. And the reason I will give you so much details of my life to not say, oh, this is a cool story. It's just to show you how God is leading every step in our life. Nothing is accident. Everything what happened in my life was for something in the future. Every person that he brought in my life, even to challenge me, even to hate me, even to, I don't know, put me down, was so good. And I'm so thankful and I'm so praising him for that. So to start with, I was born in Croatia. You know, you know where is Croatia? Where? What language we speak in Croatia? <laughs> Croatian, yes, yes. It's a Slavic language, okay? Uh, it's a Slavic language. Can, can you show me some pictures? Yes, yeah, so this is Croatia. So Italy is our neighbor, Italy. So part of the Croatia, you see where is that, like a head, you know? So this is where I'm exactly coming from. And there we speak two languages, Italian and Croatian. So if some Italian here, we can speak Italian. No problemo. Anyway, so this is the, this is Croatia. So I have beautiful, beautiful crystal teeth. Yeah, I love to talk about beautiful Croatia. But the best thing is that there is no sharks. There is nothing that can kill you in the sea. Okay? So you can freely swim. Other pictures here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we are very proud. Soccer. You know, we are very good in soccer. We are second, third in the world, you know, so. <laughs> We have to mention, but it's all about tourism. It's all about you work three months and then the whole year like, like that. Because three months is a summer break and it's like school is not working for three months. It's just tourism. And then you're working so hard, like 20 hours a day, and then you have spa all year. <laughs> so this is Croatia. That's how we survive because nothing else we don't have actually in Croatia. Just sea, tourism, beautiful buildings, Game of Thrones movie was uh, made here, many movies. And, and this is what Croatia is well known. But also, uh, what Croatia is well known, it's the big war that happened in Croatia between Croatia and Serbia, but also other countries because that was Yugoslavia before. And I was born in Yugoslavia. So 1989, I was born, uh, don't count now. <laughs> I was born in Yugoslavia and everything smelled on war, okay? So I was a war baby because... 91, the war began. So I was two years old when the war began. And uh, it was really difficult because my father is Serbian and my mother is Croatian. And I live in Croatia. So I had a lot of troubles. Even as a baby, we, it was a lot, a lot of trouble. My, husband, my father was a very, very successful businessman and he lost everything just because he was Serbian. You know? And it was really, really difficult. Uh, on both sides, I didn't know where the, I belong. I was ashamed to say I'm Serbian, and no one's supposed to be ashamed where they're coming from. We should be proud where we're coming from. We have that in our blood, you know? We have that fire. We have that peace. We have something in our DNA where we're coming from. We should never be ashamed because of some politics where we are coming from. And I was ashamed in Croatia that I'm Serbian, but then I didn't feel completely Croatian because they didn't accept me. You're half a Serbian, and your father's side, they, see, they think the father's side is stronger, so you're Serbian. So I was bullied from the... Uh, young age because of my nationality and the war was six years 
That's a long period, okay? And even if I, if you can put the picture, first picture, even if I lived in the part when the war was the weakest, no bombs, no stuff like that, um, it was the most peaceful part that went is close to the Italy and many people ran away to that part of Croatia. It was the most peaceful, but it was a mental battle. In the school, they will throw stones on you, the, the, the planes, and they will say, bomb explode, Sashka explode, you know. Uh, so I was in many aspects, I was a weird child. First of all, nationality thing. The other thing, I was, they called me Jew because my mom was an Adventist and I went to the Sabbath in the church. For them, was, that was a bit weird, so they called me a Jew. And I don't know why that was so bad thing to be Jew. I don't know, but that's what they called me in Croatia. And then another thing, I really, really, I was a tomboy and I was really, really into the soccer. So they didn't know if I'm a girl or a boy. So it was so many weird aspects about me. I had no idea who am I. I was just enjoying life. How, you know, I wanted to enjoy like every child. But people were labeling me so many things already that I didn't even label myself yet. People knew everything about me, but I didn't know anything about me. You know, and that's what people often do, isn't it? Yeah. But the, the other side is that my mom was very religious, seven-day Adventist. So religious, so fanatic, that if I was watching Friends, and I love that Friends, who, who love Friends? If I watched any of that, she will come behind and she will cut the, the wires. You said the wires? Yeah. Sorry for my English. You will help me, okay? She will cut that. She will say, Satan, demon in the house, you know? And I was like, oh, okay, what did they do? They just laugh, you know? So I was a bit afraid of that. I praise God a little bit today, a lot of it, for my fanatism of my mom. Because kind of she gave me a good foundation for some things in, in the future, you know. Because my father was completely opposite, 80s, totally 80s, saying the who cares for God and swearing on God. And, and especially after the war, he lost everything. He needed to take care of the family. So how to take care of the family when there is a war and his son and everything? He went into the mafia, <laughs> into the dirty business. And he became very successful in that. So in my life was never stability. Uh, why she called me a big mess? Because I am mess. All my life was mess. How to learn how to be organized when all your life is mess. I had from guns in the house to the, the million computers. I don't know why we have so much computers in our house. I will ask one day my dad. The many things that he was dealing with. And then my mom always on her knees, Bible, Jesus is against this, you know. And I was like, how to live this life? I have no idea. First of all, if God is here, on which side he is, you know, like, this is too boring for me, this, my mom religion is too much for me, and then my dad, that's, that's fear, <laughs> every day you go sleep in fear because you don't know what will happen tomorrow, every day you wake up in fear because you don't know what will happen to you today, because who, who will come to your house, so many times, we saw so many things that children can't hear now, so I, I will not share that part, you will read in the book, <laughs> but I was always afraid, Never peace, never tranquility, never cool, nothing. And I, when I went to the school, I thought maybe there I will have some identity, but I was weirder for them. I was not safe at home. Where to go? Where to find that little place where I can feel safe? Where? Is that church? So when I came to the church, I was a tomboy, I already told you. I was running all around, and church people didn't like that. You have to sit here. Like every pastor child, like every other child, you have to listen. You have to sit. You can't run. But I like running. You can't run. If not, you're not going to heaven. That's how I believed. And I was running. I was not a good child, you know. And I'm still running. <laughs> anyway, the thing is that I didn't fit anywhere. Where did I fit? I am weirdo for everyone. 
I am outcast for everyone. And I was thinking when Jesus said to Mary Magdalene, I was not in that point, Mary Magdalene, I was later. But when Jesus said to Mary Magdalene, go and see no more, where to go? Where to go to someone will accept you for who you are? Someone will like just accept, hey, this is your character and I love you, you know, and let's go move forward, you know, from that point. And I was a child and I was already thinking like that. And I was thinking, I don't feel good in the church. They're constantly telling me that I'm not doing something good, constantly. And I'm just a child. What will be in the future when I really do mistakes, you know? So I didn't feel good as a child and I didn't know where to go and I didn't have any friends really. Uh, I was desperately needed attention from my father who was never there. And the war was bigger and bigger, and his character became worse and worse of my father. And I kind of lost my father. He was not anymore that kind and loving dad. He became very rough, uh, very manipulative. And the, anything that happened to him, he will come home and he will beat me or my mom. Uh, he, I had th- another three brothers, but he never touched them so much because probably he was scared of them. But he was always, you know, bullies are always going to the someone who is weaker, you know. And I was very afraid of him. And I was constantly being physically abused from my father, constantly. Whatever happened to him outside, he will come home. And we knew from his face, we are done. My mom and I, we are done today. And it was really, really hard to listen when we go to sleep, how he is really hurting my mom really badly. And constantly I had that sadness in me. And I didn't understand what is life for. Is that life, like constantly searching where you belong? And constantly being hurt and constantly searching for that little happiness. You know, we think the children are not thinking about that. No, children are thinking about it a lot. We want to feel safe and we want to feel happy. You know, and that's what I believe every child deserves that. No one deserves to go to trauma in, in childhood. But one day, when I was 13 years old, um, I'd had a chance. I was playing violin, by the way. And in school in Croatia, it's a little bit different than here. Okay. So school in Croatia is you have music school primary and normal primary school. And then high school music school and then normal. So I went to both, both primary and both high school. I was playing violin. And I really loved it playing violin. And kind of whatever happened to me in, in life, I was putting that in violin. Okay? So I was not good in technique things. I know the Chinese and Russia school, it's really good. Like technically everything has to be really, really good. But I was more giving emotion. Whatever happened to me, I will play about that. You know, I will sing about that. That was, that was kind of me. And that's why in school I was not going very good because in school they're always searching for you to be what they ask you to do. You know, and then I was 13 years old when finally some jazz uh, bands and jazz orchestra, I can't believe it. Eh? <laughs> Welcome. They are from my other church. Thank you for coming. Anyway, but you're hearing now twice my testimony. (laughs) But I was 13 years old when I finally was accepted in some jazz club uh, and jazz bands. And they recognized that I have that soul for improvisation. And I found my place. And I come back home saying my father and mother such a good news. Hey, you know what happened to me? I just wanted to say I belong somewhere. They love my playing. They, they will pay me for that. They, they really want to be around me. And I was only 13. And when I came home and I said to my father, you know what was his reaction? I saw his face and I knew he probably lost in gambling or something. I'm done now. And that would happen. He said to me, who you think you are? And he started to yell on me. You think you deserve something. And I didn't know what did I do. I just play violin. I'm just doing the best that I can. 
And the reason actually later I find out in the story more, he lost on his gambling, but he lost so much property. We're very, very rich, but he lost so much property that he didn't know what else to put on that table. So he put me on that table. He promised me to someone when I'm 18 that I will be of that family. I will belong to that family. Can you imagine someone sold you on a table because he don't know anymore what to do. They will kill him. They need money. <laughs> so he don't have money. And he said, I have, I have daughter. That's how he much cared for me. And I said, no, I don't want that. I, I, I want violin. I want life. I want something from my life. Is that my life? That my life will look like? like? And I was really rebellious. And he really, really didn't accept that very well. He beat me really, really badly. He broke my arm. And after, after laying for a while in unconscious, I woke up and I, I, I didn't know even what happened. How hardly he beat me. And then I get up. I took my violin. I remember I had my, my hat. I put my hat because my hair was a mess. And I went outside of the house and I never came back. House. I went outside on the street. I had a little bit of money from that, my first gig that I had. And where to go now? Where to go when Jesus said go and see no more? Where to go? Where to go now? I know in church they don't understand me. They never ask me anything. Whatever they said in the church was you have too short skirt to play in the church. That's what they comment. The pastor said to me, you know, your skirt is too short. You can't play in the church. So people outside the church can't wait for me to come and play. And I'm only 13. People in the church, you not behave good enough. So you will serve. Not good enough to play. Not good enough to do something. And this is why today I have so much passion to change a little bit that culture in the church. Who is good enough to serve? No one is good enough. We are all good, good enough. That's how I believe. But never mind. Anyway, let's go back to the story. It's a long story. I'll try to cut. Anyway, so 13 years old, I came out and I said, uh, my friend, can I be three days at your place? Her mom was really good. She take care of me. She went to hospital with me. They take care of my hands and, and everything what happened to me. But then after that, I didn't know where to go. And if I said to that family that I don't know where to go, they would call social services. I didn't want to go through that. Who want to go through that? You know, and then again, facing my father who had connection everywhere. This is too, too, too hard. I don't want to go through that. So what was much easier for me is just try to find place to stay. So I was sleeping a couple days in a train station, a couple in a bus station. And then I was working something. I got money for the one month for the apartment. And next month I didn't have. So again, the bus station, train station. But what really saved me, that like I say to you, in Croatia, we have a high school, music school, okay? And it's opening 6 o'clock in the morning, and it's closing in the midnight. So they all thought, oh, Sashka really love violin. She's staying till midnight, and she comes at 6 o'clock in the morning. She's always playing. She will be greatest violinist ever. But actually, I was just getting showered there. <laughs> Eating, being warm, you know, because outside is cold, sleeping in some of the, the classes, you know. So, you know, God was taking care of me. He gave me that high school. What if I didn't have that high school? Where would I be, you know? I would, no one ever suspected that I'm on the street. No one ever, you know? And street, it's difficult life on street. There is only two options on street, or drugs or prostitution. So I'm praising God I was tomboy, and I had a short hair, and I was not pretty. So I didn't went to the prostitution. I was, they didn't, there was nothing interesting. They were not interesting for me. So I'm praising God I, I had to go just this way. I will not go in that way because children are there. So I will not talk about that part. But I praise God today that for everything. So if you're not pretty, pretty, pretty when you're young, don't worry. That's God's plan. Better for you. 
Later, you have time later to do the hell, you know, and everything. Later, later. Be happy, you know. Always be happy whatever God is <laughs> leading you. Today I see that God was leading me. Then I was very depressed how I look and all these things, you know. But, you know, that's why we say the testimonies and share the story to say how God is good. Anyway, what happened later? Uh, I was playing on the streets very often. Uh, I was getting some money from the gig, from the, like, going to the pub and playing. And that's how I saved some money for university. So now I'm 18 years old. I still never came back home. And what hurted me the most, and it, the hardest was to forgive my mother, to never calling me to check how am I. I just couldn't understand that. That was breaking me. Every time when someone would mention, oh, I'm going to visit my mom or something, or I'm going to lunch to my mom, I was like, mom? What does that even mean? What does it mean to have mom? Even now I'm tearing up because I never knew what does it mean to have a mom. What is the feeling to have a mom that is taking care of you? And, um, but God gave me some spiritual mom later. Even today in Melbourne I have one. Anyway, I never knew. But later I understood and I was able to forgive her that she needed to take care of herself, a younger brother and others. She was not able to take care of from me in the street. My, my father even didn't allow it. So she was surviving the way she, she could. But very long time, it was hard for me to forgive her. Anyway, I was 18 years old now. And now I want to go to study. But the problem is that I'm not really good in violin. I, I, I give my heart in these jazz pubs and everything. But technical part, when you go to the university, you need to do Mozart how the Mozart wants. Not how Sashka wants to play Mozart, you know. I would play, mm, you know, but it was like, dun, dun, dun. And that was a problem. And I was aware of that. I will never pass. But what to do else? There is no one to tell me what am I gifted for. I don't know. Now I know. If I, oh, I wish I knew that I, I, I'm for psychology or I'm for some counseling or I'm for some book or something, you know. But I have no idea what my gifts are. You know, I was very lost. What is my identity and what is my gift? I just knew to play violin. So I kind of, even I didn't go to church and I stopped going to church because I didn't feel good in the church. I, I didn't give up from God. And when people give up from church, you know they don't give up from God. They have that foundation that God is there. And they always pray. We always pray to God. It's just that we didn't find him in the church. We didn't see him in the church. And we will talk about that later, okay? We have to have a church where people will see and find God. Anyway, so um, I was praying. I was praying, God, please, God, somehow deal with my future. I don't know where else to go. Will I always be in pubs? Or will I do some university? And because of all rejection in the past, I had some rebellious spirit. I have to do it, something to prove everybody I'm the best, you know. So I am thankful for the street also because it gave me that rebellious spirit and keep me going. I was not the one who was like, oh, the life is hard, so it's best me for to die. You know, no, I was like, the life is hard. I will do even more and I will prove everybody that I'm better than all of them. And my father said I will be nothing from me and it will be, you know. So I, w- I wanted to go to the university. So God sent some people when you least suspected in your life. So it was one lunch in the church, and I never wanted to go to the church. But I met one lady saying to me, hey, today is Sabbath. Why are you not in the church? And I'm like, what? Like five years I'm not in the church, and now you wonder why I'm not in the church. But never mind. So I said, because I'm not going to church. Come, come is a good food. But you know, when you're hungry, <laughs> you will go everywhere. So always have food here, okay? So I went to the church just because of the lunch, because I was very hungry, and I was thinking I can maybe, like, fresh myself in the toilet. (laughs) 
So I went to the lunch, and there was a professor there of music in Bosnia. In your country, you will say for music. That's not country for music, for, for, the, for the like classical music. And she said, who are you? And I explained a little bit. I am Sashka, I play violin, la, la, la. And she said, would you like to come to our university? We just opened university. It's new, so we don't expect you to play violin. Just come to university so we can have numbers. And I said, you think I will pass the audition? Yeah, yeah, just come. We need more violinists. We will come, like, you will come through. Don't worry. And I was like, how is that even possible, you know? So I came to audition, and I played. And I remember the professor coming out and saying, you play horrible. <laughs> and I was like, I know. But you have heart. We will do something. Are you ready to do something? I was like, yeah, I'm ready. Just let me in, you know. And then I let, I, I, he let me in, that professor. He was the godsend person because I would come to that classes, highly on drugs. I would come to these classes and he will say, sit Sashka with me. And he will wait for hours for me to come to myself. And then he will be like, I think you feel now better. Let's play violin. He never gave up from me. He totally knew. I never told him my story. But God will say to some people in your life, you don't need to tell the story. They will be there because you need them for that season. He was only one and a half years with me. But he, I progressed with him so much that I was better than all other students who were finishing university because he had a patient for me. And I praise God for him. He was very old. He was leaping on one like one leg. He was all paralyzed, half paralyzed. But he had a patient for me who was on drugs. Don't tell me that was not God. Don't tell me that was accident. All these people accidentally coming into my life. He never tried to say to me, this is not good what you're doing. Can you believe it? Isn't what we Christian we first want to say, this is not good. What do you think about this? This is not good. The Bible said it's sin. One and a half year never told me that I'm doing something wrong, but he had a patient for me. He was a Christian for me more than church. He was for me church. He was for me God. He was the reason why I let million and all other drugs from my life just because he was leading me step by step and giving me some hope, you know. And I wish the church is that. I wish each of you is that person who is three years with someone, never mentioning someone you are sinning, okay? But your life and your patient will change someone. That person will not be even aware. And praise God if you're like that. Anyway, so I was sitting with him. After a year and a half, he said to me, Sashka, you progress very well. I will move you to the better university in Belgrade, in Serbia. I was like, yeah, I'm moving. After half a year in Serbia, he said, you know what? You're progressing so well. You could go to Paris, to, to France. And I was like, I know who is there. That is my auntie. No way I can pay myself university in Paris. No way, no way. For the, for the for days I didn't eat when I was studying university. I was just smoking. That's how I was eating, you know. I didn't eat. I didn't have money for eat, for food, for anything. I was so skinny. How can I pay Paris? No way. The university is 20,000 euros. The English, uh, the French course is 10,000 euros. No way. I can't even survive with $100 a month, 100 euros a month. No way. Like, I can't. So what he said, well, if you have someone there, send email. So I never saw this lady before in my life. That was my grandpa sister. So it's like, I never, but I knew she's a writer. She's kind of famous. She lives in Paris. She got married very well for some richy men. So maybe she will take me. So I wrote an email and I said, God, if she wrote me same day, I'm going. I'm not waiting longer. 
same day she wrote me back, your grandpa, when we were a child, had a tuberculosis. It was three of us who had tuberculosis in our family. And we had only two medications. And he gave me his own medication. And that's why I'm alive now. And that's why I swore to God, even I don't believe she didn't believe in God. She swore to God that she will take care of his family. Is that an accident? Even before I was born, God was thinking about me, how to save me, how to give me home. Because that year in Paris, I had my first mom in my life. I was horrible to her. I was yelling to her. I was giving her all my emotions that I was dealing with, with broken relationships, with, with mother, with father. When she was defending my father, I was yelling on her. But she was again, again that patient person sitting there, you know, and waiting for me to just get over it, <laughs> to put everything out and to kind of grow up, you know. But I didn't know how to grow up. If you just saw me back then, I was like a, if you think I'm messed today, you don't know what I was before. <laughs> I was a big ball of mess, not knowing where to go, how to behave, how to act. So she paid the school for me, a school of behavior. Do you know what is that? Do you know what is school behavior in France? Because she saw I'm, I'm uncontrollable. <laughs> I need to know how to laugh. So you laugh like this. <laughs> okay. And you don't laugh never first, never last. Okay, so this is a school behavior. They, they, they teach you how to behave, how to sit properly, how to eat properly. You know, in French culture in Paris, you need to know that, you know. And she was in very good circles. She didn't want to be embarrassed by me, probably. So she paid me that. She paid me French school. So I know now French to speak. You see? So a lot of things was a blessing. Praise God for Paris. It was an amazing blessing. And I finished violin there. And then I went to study my master of violin. And this is my breaking point in my life. Okay? This was the breaking point in my life. Why? Because finally I started to thought, think about God. This is the year when I started to think, God somehow is finally good in my life. I was running, going everywhere all my life, emotionally, totally unstable. No one ever loved me. I never experienced what mother means. I don't know what mother means, and now I have some kind of mother taking care of me. It's look good. Did you really take care of me? Did you send all these people? So now as a student, I started to think about God. But God, if you really exist, can you help me like, to, to kind of make sense of my life? What am I doing now? Where am I going? And you know what, what he did? You know what he did? I thought he will do a marvelous thing for me, and he did a horrible thing for me. <laughs> I thought because I enter master of violin, now I will go to opera and everything what I wanted to do, music, film. I love that music, um, movie music, film industry music. I loved that, you know, like for the, for the Disney and stuff like that. Oh, I really wanted that. And with my master in Paris, it's opening everywhere. I can go anywhere, you know. So um, I was thinking, finally, it's my time. And you know what happened? My mom got sick. Mom that I didn't speak with her since I was 13. She got so sick, she got cancer. And now she's calling me and saying through my auntie, she called my auntie, called me, can you come home? Because someone needs to take care of your little brother. He's 10 years old. Your father is for a long time, he's not here. And there is no one to take care of your little brother. So I'm like, yeah, right, now you need me. Now you call me. Now, mom, all my life I needed you. 
Now you call me. So rebellious me again. Outside, you know, uncontrollable Sashka started again to yell, to scream and saying, God, my life is now perfect. I don't need my mom. But there is one thing in my DNA, and that's that empathy that I have now for people that God put in me that I couldn't let my brother to grow up the same that I grew up. I was so afraid he will go to the street and he will not be lucky like me. He will not have God like me. I was so afraid that he will go through the same thing. So I came back. By the way, coming back to Croatia with not finished education, people didn't even believe me that I went through education of violin. People in the church started to say, probably she was so bad that so they kicked her out. Probably she don't even have diploma. She can't even work, you know. And in Croatia, you can work only if you have master. So if you have master of violin five years, then you can work as a teacher. So as just diploma, as just a bachelorette, I couldn't work as a professor. Here I can. It's interesting in Australia. But I can't in, uh, in Croatia. So uh, what, what to do now when I come back? How will I have money? Again, the street? What is God doing in my life? When he will stop messing with my life and when finally my life will be in order how I want to go. I thought it's now is in order. I have some future maybe there. So again, I had my doubts about God. I met one pastor, young pastor. He just moved to, to that city and he said to me, look, I'm young. I'm having a lot of youth. Come to the Bible study. So praise God for young pastors who are always calling for Bible study and never giving up. You know, someone will come <laughs> and hear something. So I came to that Bible study. There is a lot of details that I'm not telling you in these old stories. You will see in the book. Anyway, so I came to that Bible study, and that pastor was really, really nice, and I kind of liked him, you know. So that's why I was going to Bible study. <laughs> I'm honest. And I got baptized. Even I have no idea why I got baptized, but I got baptized because I liked the pastor. <laughs> We even started to date. But then when he found out my history, he, 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 he gave up from me. <laughs> what again, I was disappointed with the church. Will I ever fit in that church? <laughs> will ever be there any church that will like me, you know, and like, who am I? With all my past and accept me. Look, I want a new future. I want to be better, but I have some burden from the history, you know, and not even pastor can bear that history, then who will? You know, who can take my history? God has someone. Anyway, so who can have that my history? And then my mom in hospital, painful cancer and all these what we've been through. I'm telling my God what to do. And I started to work in some little market for nothing. I will tell you it's $300 a month. So it's nothing. It's just for having some food, you know. In Croatia, that's like a big money, but it's not big money. It's really bad. And I, I'm, I'm standing, I'm like, me becoming big violinist? No. Me doing what in life? I don't know. What is my identity? What is my purpose? Where am I going? But yeah, God is there. God loves you. Graceful, merciful God. That's what I'm hearing all the time, but I don't see that. I don't see that. I saw in one point when it, everything was smooth. But I had to learn that God is with you when he's not smooth. He's always there. He's orchestrating things, even when it's bad. And everything bad, what bad happened to me, it was so good for today what I'm doing. I'm so grateful for that, even for that year. You know why? Because one morning, my little brother come to me, 10 years old, and he said, hey, today after school, I have judo. I think pastors know where I'm going. You don't know. You will see. And I'm like, where are you going to judo? How long are you going to judo? You know what is judo? Martial arts? Olympic sport? It's not jiu-jitsu. It's judo. Okay. So judo. And I said, where are you, you? I'm going for three months. 
Three months. Who is paying for you that three months? I don't have that money. I said, oh, there is one gentleman. He's so nice and he let me to go for free. Bring. I'm from Paris where immorality is like, but I saw a lot of things. And in my head was like, who is using my brother? I will go there. I will fight. Rebellious Sashka, get out. I was always, even today I react a little bit. I'm sorry for my church members who are here. But it's just me like, no, this is not right. I'm going there. I will fight if I need, you know. So I'm coming there. And I see that gentleman. And I just fall in love. It was a guy, amazing looking, you know. Judo coach, come on, you know. But what actually, like, knocked me down was that he was so nice with children. I thought even that's not possible. It's not possible to be that father figure who loved his children. I saw 60, 70 children jumping on that man. He was jumping with them. And I was like, what is that? It's like, that's, that's they, what, that they children? Like, what is happening here? Like, I came to fight here, not to fall in love. Anyway, love in the first sight, guys, that's possible. I really fall in love. So I saw him and I was like, I was trying to like calm myself. And I was like looking at some books, looking at him, looking at books, you know. And he came to me and he talked to me. I was done. I didn't know. And my confidence is nowhere. It's a love story, I'm telling you. Anyway, I said to him why he's allowing my, my brother to go for free. Oh, I thought he's from poor family, so I let him free. So it, it turned out he's a good guy. He's a good guy. He's letting people to go for free who don't have money, you know. So why I was so rebellious, I don't know, you know. Anyway, God, God is teaching me. Anyway, so I come there, and my little brother, convincing me that he want to continue Judah, said, you see how he looks good, and he's very old. And I said, he's not old. So he went around to that man and asking, my sister is asking, how old are you? And he said, he's 35. Oh, that was the problem, because I was 21. 35, 21 is a big difference, isn't it? But it's love. Anyway, so I met him. He was atheist, and... We had the best, the best, every best conversation, everyday best conversation. I don't, I don't know how to explain. It was like a healing for me. It was the man who was all my emotion was putting down and saying, hey, calm down, hey, calm down. But not on the way that someone is telling you, calm down, and then you hate him. It was on the way that you just wanted to calm down to be in his presence. Again, Jesus. But how Jesus in atheist? Again, how is possible that I see Jesus not in the church, but outside of the church? Man, what is wrong with our churches? I'm sorry, I love church. You know, Jesus loves the church. He has a special relationship with church. But what is with our churches? How can I always see Jesus in people like my professor, like my auntie that is totally communist, <laughs> in my today husband, who was, who was atheist? How can I see Jesus outside when it should be in the church? Maybe when I was 13 years old, when I was searching that help, if the church showed me Jesus, I would never need to go through the street in searching for salvation or for, for happiness or for joy or for peace or for Jesus. If I was 13 and I had someone, pastor, who will come to me and ask me to just to mentor me or something, I'll be like, wow. You know, but I didn't experience that, and I hope so. Anyone enter to this place will be mentored by you but not even knowing that is mentored. You don't have to say, I will mentor you, you know? You just say, come to my place for like snacks. Come watch movie with me. Come, let's go here, let's go here, you know? And I hope so you will be that, and you too, young people. Anyway, so 
to, to cut short story because I have to. They say 40 minutes and it's a whole book, you know. So um, you will never call me back to share the testimony. Anyway, so it, the problem is that I was baptized and now I'm with atheist. And somehow we think that that relationship will go. But you know what? I have to be honest, it's a bit hard. Because as a Christian, now you're finding someone who you love and he's giving you that peace, you will follow him. And I followed him. And it wasn't really Christian life, you know. It was, again, some compromises in my life that I did because I was following him. So it's very hard to compromise with someone who is not Christian, who not believe like you. And uh, it's, it's possible, but it's very hard. But God had planned. He didn't accidentally met me with my husband today, with Manuel. That wasn't an accident. So we got engaged. By the way, my oldest brother, he's a doctor of theology, okay? And I really admire him. He speaks 15 languages. He is amazing, amazing. He's a professor in Wimmer University. But what I just couldn't, it's like I'm coming from the street, you know? And to talk to him, it was I'm always sinner. That's how I somehow felt. He was very educated. So my husband, then fiancé, he came to my brother and he asked him, I would like to marry Sashka. And he like, he said like a Christian, nope, she's a Christian, you're not. You cannot marry her. You can't even touch her. You can't even hold for the hands. And my husband, that's already done. <laughs> so no, he, he engaged me in the spiders of what my brother said, what the church said, what someone said. He engaged me and, and I said yes. But God had a plan because he knew if something didn't happen with our, in our heart, if we didn't find Jesus, we would not be here today. I will not be here today. My husband will not be there. And we will not work in evangelism and mission. We will have not passion for the churches like we have today. So he separated us. He sent me to AFCO, to America. I didn't even know. That's another story that I'm going to the mission school. I thought I'm going to music school. And I didn't know English. So I came there and I was shocked when I found out it's a mission school because my brother tricked me. That's another story. And my, bra- my, my fiancé was now waiting me in Croatia. So I am in America, six months. He is in Croatia for six months. And I'm thinking, it's just a music upgrading school. And after six months, we'll be together. We'll plan the wedding and that's it. And I will do my music studio and whatever I like to do. But God had different plans. That was a mission school. Mission, mission. I don't know, spell English. Mission school. You know what is a mission school? When you have to do Bible 24 hours. And I didn't open my Bible since I was 13. Okay? And I didn't believe that God is really real. It's just when I need him to pray about something, you know, and he needs to help me. But that school changed my life. Because finally, someone from the church was fighting for me. This is the first time I experienced that someone from the church cared for me. Doug Bachelor, who is a speaker evangelist, he had took time to be with me, who Sashka from Croatia. I didn't even want to get up from the bed when I found out that this is a mission school. What will I say to my fiancé that I just spent $10,000 to some mission? No way. I thought it's a music school. Anyway, so I was sitting there, and my, my Doug Bachelor was spending time and time with me. Eric Flickinger, Carissa McSherry, all these teachers there, they spent time and time to convince me to stay. And it was the best time of my life. Uh, I learned English a little bit. You see my English, yeah? But also, they said to me, Doug Bachelor said to me, you should go to pastoral ministry, you know? And I was like, that's now a different step, you know. I'm a violinist, you know, and I'm doing just violin. But God needed to do some steps in my life so he, I will finally accept pastoral ministry. And Gina, you're one of them, later. But, you know, when I came 
when I said my fiance, look, I just find Jesus, that was very weird for him. Just imagine someone in the 80s, you engage to him and say, look, I find Jesus, I can't go back. Like, what? We had such a good relationship. What are you talking about? We had money, we had peace, you had career with violin, with bands, I had judo career, he was international referee. Why would we need Jesus in life? What is a Jesus? You went to missions, to music school, not mission school. But I said to him, I can't go back. I fall in love. It's amazing. I just want to do this. I just want a mission. So we break up the relationship through the, through the Skype. That was Skype back then. Horrible. I was crying there. The crew was around me. Again, I found the church that was with me when I needed. Amazing. I love that community. Anyway, but I didn't know that my fiance that day, he kneeled on his workplace, and he was a chief of security in the city. So he kneeled on his workplace, and he said, Jesus, if you really exist, and she loves you more than I, I need to see who you are, and who, who is taking my girl from me. So he said, right now, I'm going to check who is that Doug Bachelor. Probably it's some cult. So he went to check Doug Bachelor. And Angelina, and you girls, you know my husband, he don't understand English. Not even today. He struggled. He's like, yay, yay, hello. You know, he really, really struggled. But back then, not even word. But he was listening Doug Bachelor. He understand like Doug Bachelor is talking Croatian. When he was changing some another speaker, he don't understand. He came back to Doug Bachelor. He understood every single uh, series of Doug Bachelor. Everything. So three months, he was like this, listening Doug Bachelor, understanding like Doug Bachelor is speaking Croatian to him. And after three months, he's calling me. He said, I'm getting baptized. I was shocked. Why? How? I was listening to Doug Bachelor. You didn't. You don't know English. No. He was. God made miracle in Manuel's life because he wanted us together. And God will do miracle in your life when he sees that your heart is searching for something. He didn't do miracles so we can be happy together and have children. And yeah. No, because we had something in our heart that was struggling was searching for some joy, not temporary happiness in life, but some ultimate joy, the joy that will be so temporary, constant, sorry, my English, constant, that when I have that joy in my heart, wherever I go in that church, wherever I go, people will just say, whoa, are you in some fire? No, I'm on the Holy Spirit. This is what I was searching in my heart for a long time. And I had that in my fiance who wasn't Christian, but God was sorting that out. But he needed to separate us, so we find him. You know, separately. So I came back, the shorter then, to finish the story. We got engaged. We got married in two months. In two months. That was a messy wedding. But never mind. We love each other, you know. So after two months, we just make decision. Uh, Afko called me to be a missionary in India. And, of course, you want to say, yes, that's what I live for. But my husband said, no, no, no. I want to always be in your ministry. So we have to do it together. So we went to study theology. We studied theology for three years. We became youth pastor on that campus. After three, three years, we went to internship in the biggest city in Croatia with 500 members. And we, uh, we were family pastors there. And it was so many challenges. But we loved it. Since we started ministry together, I just can't imagine day. I believe you guys, you pastors together. I can't even imagine ministry with a day without my husband. I know he's older than I. I know he's wiser than I. I know he's more patient than I. And I'm so thankful for that. <laughs> you know, and um, why am I telling you all this story and so many details I didn't say? And why she shared me to tell you this story that nothing, nothing from since where I was born was not an accident. It's not an accident that you're placed in the family you are. It's not an accident that you're placed in a community you are. 
It's not accident if you was in war. It's not accident if you was on the street. Maybe all your life you had a perfect life. That's also not accident. Because you will reach people that I will never be able to reach. And I will reach people that you will never be able to reach. And that's why that's beautiful of unity of the church. We are so different, but we have same God. We will reach so many different people, but we have same God who put us together. And then we are glorifying like David. We are telling the testimony what God did for us in our life. And you know what I tell you? I never experienced love of my mother. Well, today I have a mother in Melbourne, uh, and she lives in Killer. And she took me like her daughter. And the way she take care of me every single day, it's, 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 it's mind-blowing. So he gave me an amazing husband who take care of me, and he gave me another mother. He will give us what our heart needs. Sometimes we'll have to go to search for that, but he will give us. Maybe we'll need to wait for that. I needed to wait to have my mother. But so what? I learned so much in the process, and now I even understand people who don't have mothers and who don't, don't know where to find mothers. To finish this, I would just like to finish with Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah chapter 1 is really like rough chapter. It's really difficult to read him. I think you know what is in Isaiah chapter 1. It's all God rebuking Israel. You're doing this wrong. You're going to Sabbath the church. You're having these old churches. You're doing this, 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 and this. I am sick of your churches. That's what God is saying in chapter 1. So it's not encouraging for the end. <laughs> but it's something special that he said. He said, I'm sick of all these forms because they're not accepting people. There is no justice in the church. There is no love in the church. There is no compassion in the church. Then why church exists in the first place? Why church exists if someone who enters will not feel, oh, this is where I will have food. This is where I will have spiritual food. This is where someone will be my mother. This is where someone will be my father, my brother, my fiance, my husband, or someone. Why this will not be the place of healing, but not place of of I don't know how I would say traditional worship because I love worship. I am a musician. I love worship. But tradition, tradition, tradition. What can turn tradition from Sabbath to Sabbath? What can happen in every Sabbath you're coming here and you don't have greatest purpose? What can happen to you? Tell me. What? Yeah? You become like these walls, to be honest. You're listening to someone here preaching. Yeah, I'm feel, And that's it. You go out and nothing new happened in your life. But what if you came here and you look around yourself and you're like, who need mother today? Who need father today? Who need someone today? You have no idea how you would feel. You will feel changed. You will be different. And you will got maybe new family. And that's what people need. That's what Mary Magdalene needed. He needed new, she needed a new family. I needed a new family. And wherever I go, God somehow gave me another family. Well, here is another family. <laughs> and um, I'm praising him for that. Again, I want to read uh, Psalm 145. Again. One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. I will meditate on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works. Isn't God amazing how he works? How he works amazingly. And you have no idea what he prepared for you and who he prepared for you <laughs> and where he prepared place to you. Be patient, trust in God. And even church is disappointing you. There is one illustration I want to leave left you with.
in Noah's ark, there's a lot of animal. And I believe it was a lot of poo. I'm sorry for saying that from this place, but it was really stinky. Do you believe that it was really stinking, that small boat to have all these animals? But outside was flood. It was still safe to save there and better to be in that ark. I know the church have a lot of wrong things, a lot of bad things you will see, a lot of hypocrisy, whatever, and maybe stinking for you, but it's still better place than outside when there is a flood. Okay? There is a place you have to be. Only what we need to do is to change a little bit, to shake the church, to make that revival in our churches and to be different church. Amen? Amen. Bow down to prayer. The Heavenly Father, you're such a great God. Um, many times in our life, we maybe um, does not see that. We don't, need, we don't need to see that because of the circumstances in our life that are overwhelming, because of oppression, because of the pain, because of what we are lack in our life. We don't see that you're good and we are kind of wondering where are you. But thank you for showing us that you didn't give up from us and that you're fighting for us. That each step that we are doing is with a purpose. There is a reason why you're orchestrating our life the way you're orchestrating. You are such a creative God. And I know that you lead my life the best you could to bring me to this point to share the gospel of good news. And I believe you're doing to each of us the same. But help us to not just be a good news for us so we can feel good. Now we are saved. We have Jesus. Help us that we just that pass pass it on to someone else. To give that hope, love, justice, to give that, uh, that, that, that healing to people that they need all around us. People will not open to us very easily because they're afraid to open. I was afraid to open to anybody. I didn't have anybody to trust. But I believe that if we are that person of patient God and we are surrounded by your glory and your spirit is in us, we will be that person that will bring that healing to the nation and help us to be that one person in our community, in our families, all around, in our schools, wherever we are. Help us to change this world. Help us to bring revival wherever we go, wherever we walk. Like in the darkness that we go, there is a light, there is a sunshine around us. And that's your goodness and your glory and your love. In your name I pray. Amen.